This is Jameson Morton, and you're listening to Legalist Rainmaker Podcast, where we interview attorneys at top law firms about how they made partner. Our guest today on the podcast is David Oliver, a partner at Gray Robinson. With 35 years of litigation experience, David has been consistently named to best lawyers in America since 2006. David, good to have you on the show. To start, could you tell us about your firm and your practice as a whole? Uh, Gray Robinson is a statewide firm in Florida, uh, a very dominant firm in Florida. Uh, We also have a lobbying office in Washington, D.C., but it's a full-service civil law firm. And I am chair of the uh, contingent fee litigation group uh, here at the firm uh, because we as a firm have decided that a portion of our litigation work will be uh, contingent commercial litigation. That's interesting. So have you always focused on contingency litigation? What do you see are the key differences between a contingency fee agreement and an hourly billing model? Well, I I spent the bulk of my career uh, working on an hourly billing model, and the marketplace has certain constraints. One is, uh, in your geographic market, what hourly rate can you charge at your level of experience? And then how many hours is it actually possible to to work and build to a client? Um, Contingent fee cases kick that model to the curb. And the contingent fee model says, let's be partners. You, the client, and me as your lawyer and law firm, let's be partners. And... That allows us to decide the best cases to pursue because as partners, neither one of us wants to pursue a case that doesn't have merit. It also allows us to share in the success. And frankly, if a case does not uh, come to fruition the way you would like, uh, we all bore the risk concurrently. So I've never had a client um, have hard feelings about either writing me a big check at the end of the case or if, in those uh, fortunately few instances where it occurs, the case doesn't come out the way you would like, uh, they know I made my commitment, I honored my part of the agreement, and I'm equally disappointed with them. You mentioned that in contingency cases, law firms and clients are aligned as partners. Does that dynamic affect the law firm's decision on whether to take on a case or not? If you're a uh, potential litigation client, particularly a a corporate or business client, um, and you have the means to pay uh, for hourly representation, you will never find a full-service law firm that doesn't like your case. They will always say, we can do this. Uh, Here's a fee agreement. We need a retainer. And as they get close to the courthouse steps, um, they say, well, 
your case isn't that good and we need to settle. Sometimes they say we need to cut and run, but uh, clients say, well, wait a minute, what happened to that person that was brimming with confidence at the outset of the representation? Um, and the answer is, as your checkbook diminished, so did the confidence that the lawyer who's paid by the hour has. So I always look at it as you've got to, you've got to see a, a case through to the end and you've got to make that commitment to your client at the front end. Yeah, absolutely. And delving a little deeper in your career, David, I know that one of your litigation specialties is in commercial construction. And you are based in Orlando where there's been a lot of construction going on. So do you see a lot of construction cases coming your way? And what do you think are the general patterns and trends in that market? Uh, I've actually seen a significant uptick in uh, construction cases, not uh, specific to the central Florida market. My, my practice is national in scope. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, you know, as the saying goes, a, a rising tide raises all ships. There's a lot of construction uh, across the country. Uh, any construction project from the day that, that uh, ground is first broken is almost guaranteed to yield uh, litigation, sadly. Um, Disputes between owners and general contractors, general contractors and subcontractors, and the sureties who are involved with the uh, GC and with the subs, um, it's almost a guarantee. Um, And I've got uh, several cases um, now construction-related, and I'm sure that I'll see more going forward. And when the economy cools down, if it does, uh, and new building uh, starts to slow down, there are going to be more disappointed economic expectations among participants in in, um, commercial and residential construction owners, general contractors, and subcontractors all included. Yeah. Thanks for sharing your industry insights on that, David. Now, switching gears and going down memory lane, how did you make partner? Did you bring in a big case? Uh, Well, I started practice in 1985, and I went to work for the oldest uh, law firm in the state of Florida. Um, And when I was uh, six or seven years in, um, it's, it's strange cause I didn't actually specialize in construction at the time. Um, I, I, I got a big construction case, um, that generated a significant, uh, fee for my law firm. And, uh, the first year I was eligible for partner, uh, I was made partner. And since then I've gone on to be a partner in, uh, four, five, five different law firms. That's an amazing accomplishment. In addition to that, you've been named on many best lawyers lists, both nationally and in the state of Florida. Other than being a great litigator and winning cases, do you have a secret to your success? 
you always, in every case, you have to remember your uh, judge and your adversaries on the case will be the ones that describe um, what your attributes as a lawyer and as a person are. You always want to leave the judge believing that at the end of the day, you're forthright, honest, and straightforward with the court and all your representations. And you want your adversaries to feel the same. So um, at the end of a hard-fought case uh, in 35 years, I've always uh, walked across to the other table and, and shook hands with everyone, um, many of whom are still uh, very good friends of mine. Um, don't burn your bridges is, is my advice to younger lawyers. Mm-hmm. And, and don't make a mistake that uh, will, uh, if you embarrass yourself in front of one judge, believe me, all that judge does is go to lunch and socializes with other judges. And what do they talk about? It's the mistakes that lawyers made in front of them. So um, be, um, be forthright is, is the best advice I can give. Yeah. After all, this is a people business and maintaining good relationships with judges and opposing counsel is a key part of that. So, David, how do you personally maintain good professional relationships? Well, you have to maintain relationships on on several sides of the equation. One is with judges. Um, There's an old saying. It's it's not my original thought. It's been around for years that that a good lawyer knows the law. A great lawyer knows the judge. Um, You 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 need to attend. Uh, bar and judiciary events to give you a chance to interact with the judiciary. You need to maintain uh, a mutual uh, respect with opposing counsel. But the other part of the equation is if you have clients that are unhappy with how the relationship has evolved or ended, um, that one unhappy client is a seed that will sprout many more um, uh, shadow-casting flowers. So you have to avoid that. You have to communicate with your client. Always let them know honestly how the case is going, what the prospects are for the outcome, what the likelihood of an outcome is when you have bad news, you can't spare it. And when you have optimism, you have to be honest and let the client know that in terms of negotiating in any settlement discussions pre-trial. But if you can balance those things, good relationship with the judiciary, good relationship with opposing counsel and Good relationship with clients, past, present, um, et cetera, uh, you'll do well. Absolutely. So what are the most common mistakes you see young associates make as they aim for partnership? 
you know, many of our listeners are early on in their legal careers and are actively building relationships in their books of business. Do you have any tips for them? Uh, well, I'm a firm believer that you have to be very selective to, as to where you go and, and what to do. If, if for instance, um, let's take a different example. If you are an insurance salesman, and you went to an insurance industry event and you spent hours going around and passing out your business card to other insurance agents, that's not going to yield any productive result for you. But what do a lot of associates do? They, they follow the mantra, I need to join the local bar or the state bar and go to bar association events and hand out my card. Um, You're not going to meet clients at bar association events. You're going to meet competitors. And the best thing to do, uh, no one ever generates business uh, sitting at home, and they never generate it uh, associating, well, I shouldn't say never, but rarely, with other lawyers. Um, You have to go out, in my case, I do business litigation. You have to get out to events where the business community is represented. They have to get to to know you and they have to get comfortable with you. And the best recommendation there is, is a satisfied former client. There's no substitute for that. Yeah, that's great. So moving on a little bit in our interview, do you think litigation finance has a place in the legal landscape today? Personally, has that come up in your practice? I absolutely think it has a place. And and the reason is um, I have, uh, this is a broad brush characterization, but two types of commercial business clients that come to me and ask, about a case handled on a uh, contingent fee basis. One is a Fortune 100 or Fortune 500 client that could go out all day long and hire lawyers at an hourly rate, but they want someone to buy into their case as a financial partner and tell them, if it's a good case, it's good enough for me to jump in with you. And it's a sweetener to add that in addition, I can bring a litigation finance partner to the table and you, the client, won't have to be out of pocket on the cost. And Uh, In many cases, these arrangements are non-recourse to the client. Um, And that's, um, a lot of people don't make this uh, connection, but even to a Fortune 100 client, that's a a very uh, appealing proposition. Now, the second type of client is the company that comes and says, I've almost been put out of business by what competitor X did to me. 
and it was wrong, and here's my documents, here are my witnesses, and they can't afford to pay the cost. And I say, well, you're fortunate <clears throat> because there is an alternative. We can involve a litigation funding firm, and the client needs to understand up front how the litigation funding works, how my contingent fee works, and what they can expect at the um, uh, outcome of the case. But many times they just lean forward and hug me and say that was a lifesaver. Yeah, as you said, litigation finance can have a huge impact on both large corporations and small businesses. So where do you think the future holds? You know, from your observation, do you suspect the industry will expand in financing large cases or smaller ones? Well, when I first started using litigation funding firms, it was interesting because the mantra I heard was, David, uh, I, it takes enough of our resources and time to handle advancing $100,000 as $10 million. So we only want to do the big cases. Now I find firms that are much more pragmatic and say, we'd rather, we'd rather spread our risk over much more manageable, uh, smaller scale cases. So depending on what type of case you have and what type of funding you need, you, you have to talk to different companies and, um, you find someone who's a good partner for you and then you stick with them for years and years because good partners are hard to find. But look, we're, we're, uh, it's like major league baseball. The, the, the players who make the all-stars, they typically hit about, you know, 300 to, uh, uh, 350 or 0.300 to 0.350. Um, no litigator is going to knock it out of the park on every single case. You need to knock it out of the park enough to make the partnership valuable to your partner. And your partner needs to understand that from time to time, um, we may ground out at first base. <laughs> Um, and, uh, it's risk assessment for the litigation funding company for me and my law firm and for the client. But when you have a lot of smart minds all looking at the same case, in my experience, you can hit, uh, 600 or 700, not 300 or 350. All right. Thanks for listening. Legalist is a tech-driven litigation finance firm that helps lawyers get paid. Rate our podcast and give us a review wherever you find your podcasts. See you next time.